welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Boy, I wish everybody could be here for the pre-show, Rick. That's where the actual fun begins. But hey, anyhow, welcome to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show. Now, a proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. Although, if they had been here before we hit record, they might not be proud to have (laughs) us. Check out this show and countless other great fantasy sports podcasts for our English-speaking friends over at FullTimeFantasy.com and at FullTimeFantasy on the tweeters. And as always, you can follow us, The Asylum, at AsylumFantasySports.com, at AsylumFootball. And, uh, of course, if you want to interact with the show, AsylumFootball at gmail.com. For the love of God, finally, Rick. We're a week or two away from draft season being upon us. Head on over to FullTimeFantasy.com to participate in any free Best Ball World Championship, $35 starter leagues, the $299 online championship with a $50,000 grand prize, and even the eighth annual World Championships in Las Vegas. Take what you learn here and all across the network. Turn it into some real cash, Rick. Straight cash, homie. That's right. Cash money. We are Flieger Briggs. This is the Asylum Sports show on the full-time fantasy podcast network welcome into the asylum it is like rick said <clears throat> we're talking a week to two weeks away some people may have already drafted early but i mean you're really getting down to the next couple of weeks of rug cutting time uh there's been a few injuries in training camp and some of the preseason action is going to be starting this week yeah, we got games starting tomorrow well we've had the hall of fame game yeah. for if you want to call it a game and then it's yeah. preseason, yeah. and it's you know it worse every year. As far as I'm concerned, it's it's for the coaches to evaluate some talent to make cuts. It's not for but you know what any kind of entertainment. You'll still watch it, maybe not beginning to end, not end to end. But right. you're gonna watch you some. I, you I bet. guarantee. You I want to see some of them too. So. You know, I've got bad news coming out of Steeler training camp just on the way over to the studio here tonight. Joe Hayden carted off the practice field today. I don't know what the injury is. I don't know what the severity of it is. But um, Steeler fans and um, Steeler Nation probably hoping it's nothing yeah. serious. That's yeah, for that, sure. That's a bad deal there. You, they can ill afford with that defense to, to lose the likes of Joe Hayden. So, so what we got today, Rick, we did some burning questions at the running back position last week. We're going to hop to the wide receiver position, a few headlines, and some fun and frivolity around the way, I'm certain. So I think, Rick, by law, we have to start the show with an Ezekiel Elliott update. It ain't good. It's not He's Reports coming from uh, the four-letter network basically saying that he's not showing up without a new deal, and it sounds like he's perfectly willing to pull a Lev Bell I'm getting nervous because at least in the media posture and wise, Jerry Jones is standing his ground. You know, Emmett Smith backed him down 30 years ago. Maybe Ezekiel Elliott can here. As confident as I was, this thing was going to get done last week at this time. I'm nowhere near that confident. Oh, I'm not either. And truth be told, the way things are shaping up, Jerry's stiffening, bristling up a little bit. Ezekiel's you know, just not budging a bit. And, you know, it, it just doesn't look good. I, and quite frankly, I'm not sure this is a battle Elliott can win. He's still got two years left in his deal. This isn't Le'Veon Bell when he had a franchise tag right. thrown on him. It isn't Melvin Gordon in his exactly. fifth year of service. Right. And this, he's got two years left. He's supposed to make, I think, 3.9 this year and I think 9 million next year. 
Um, yeah, I could see him, yeah, losing some cash and not coming out of it looking all that well. Look at Le'Veon Bell. He's not making as much money in New York as he would have in Pittsburgh. Right. He just proved his point. Now, if that's what Elliott wants to do, so be it. But I don't think he's going to win this thing. Here's where he does have the leverage. He has no leverage contractually, right? To, to your point, having two years left, I think, is a big difference. It's probably something that are not. It's a non-starter for most players on most most teams. Where he does have leverage, and th- this will offend a lot of the running backs. Don't matter that ever-growing crowd in the football and fantasy football communities. Dallas Cowboys, I don't think, win six games without Ezekiel Elliott. He is, we talked about it ad nauseum last week. We won't go through it all again. He is the key central figure, not Dak Prescott, not Amari Cooper. He is the key and central figure of the Dallas Cowboys offense. In 24 other offenses, 25, 26 other offenses in the NFL, you pull them out, you plug them in. You're not as good offensively, but you're fine. Ezekiel Elliott, he's he's four or five wins to that team. I, I honestly believe that. People say I'm stupid. I truthfully believe that. I do, too. I think he everything runs through him, hence the, the rushing championships in, in total yard. I mean, this guy is everything to this team. And not only that, you take an Ezekiel Elliott out of that offense – you really don't know the ramifications, how that's going to affect Dak Prescott's confidence after a couple of games right? and so forth. And it starts permeating down through the offense itself. And the defense is on the field longer, et cetera. It, 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 stuff like that can wear a team down very quickly. Yeah, so here's what I'm curious about, Rick. One week from Friday is the the world famous, the world renowned caveman fantasy football. Two league weeks draft. from Friday. What I say? I thought you said one. Well, week. I probably did. Okay. I'm not smart. So two weeks from Friday, held right here in Studio B, right here in the Asylum Footballs. We let the convicts and drug addicts in here and, and do a do a the last I think in person live draft in the history of fantasy football. The, this is the renowned right. Flager Resort and Spa. Exactly. And nobody wants everybody's got to do it online and in 14 minutes now, but we, we still get drunk and and have some And people revel- want you to listen to podcasts at one and a half and two times normal speed so you can listen to more in a day. I have that on the list. We'll get to that. Rick. I, I want to discuss that. <laughs> I didn't I, know that. I, I saw too. your interaction, and I, I have an opinion <laughs> on that matter. So let, let's keep it on the trail. We're going to get back to that. So you'd say you had the number one pick in the caveman draft, or a top three pick. Okay. I don't believe you do. I think I do, don't I? Yeah, I'm 11. Yeah, I think. You're three? Okay. I think you're three. So I'm going to take someone of Alvin Kamara, McCaffrey, Barkley, whichever one doesn't, whichever one's left is the one I'm going to take. Spoiler alert for everybody in the Caveman League. It comes back to me in the second round or in the third coming back down on the short turnaround. And this Ezekiel Elliott situation hasn't been resolved. Do I start thinking about Zeke Elliott there? If you're you're number one in your draft and on that 2-3 turn, how far, I guess I'm asking, do we let Ezekiel Elliott fall? I still have to assume this gets done. He might sit out a game or two to prove a point. 
I just wonder, boy, that, that could be a game, a showstopper, right, for somebody. You've got Saquon Barkley. You can get Ezekiel Elliott. If you if it's a risk, if he comes back in camp, you're sitting rather pretty. Do you take that risk? Or we'll probably know more in the weeks to come what the situation looks like. I just I can't believe for a second he's going to sit out the whole year, irregardless of what ESPN's reporting. I can't either, quite frankly, but – Who's to say? After Le'Veon Bell, all bets are off. I never thought he'd do. I agree. We, we probably spent all of eight weeks last week saying last year saying the same exact thing. Right, I agree. And this is going to be something that everybody's going to have to monitor closely. And when you get up to your draft, that's a decision you're going to have to make. And right now, I don't know. I mean, you just don't have everything pointing right now is he's not going to show right. up. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, at the turn, boy, that, that's tough. I'd think about it. I got Saquon Barkley. I think if I... I'm, th- I think if I was in your position, say you're at three, coming back, I don't know what is that, twenty-two, something like yeah. that, would be twenty-two. I think if he's there, then I might grab a top wide receiver since you already have a running back. And just roll the dice that he, maybe he's there coming back. In That's the third. what I think. I think without a doubt, you know, I, I do that. I take somebody else at 22. That's 27, 28, whatever is that going to be? If Ezekiel is still there and there's no report saying it's off, we're not talking, he's dead, he's <laughs> whatever's right. happening, I, I'm pulling the trigger there. I think, I think that's where it is, the top of the third round as it sits right now. It could be a huge steal for somebody or. You could ruin your season right there, giving up your third-round pick. Exactly. Squad douche. Ask all the Le'Veon <laughs> Bell owners from last year. So, Rick, I, I'm sure you saw on the tweeters the, the lovely pictures of Antonio Brown's feet. And mm. just what is the most Antonio Brown story ever? Gets to the new team. Reports are, I don't believe the Raiders or Antonio Brown have ever confirmed this, that he got went into the cryo chamber, didn't have the right footwear on, and has frostbite. His feet Apparently like, he was in France or something. His feet look like something out of a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I don't know anything about frostbite. It's probably a long-term thing, right? Like all that nasty skin will just fall off and it'll grow new stuff. So it's not going to get much camp. Do we think this is effective, effective okay, long-term? I don't know. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you, you go, this. You go into this cryogenic chamber, whatever it's called. I mean, supposedly there there would be operators or technicians, <laughs> something that, that so. run these things, right? Now, doesn't, you know, this person know what footwear to put on? I mean, Probably something I'd look at. Would, right? I mean, if this is cold enough to cause frostbite, wouldn't there be something? I mean... There can't there can't be like okay here's a cotton sock, a thermo <laughs> boot and an, an Arctic footwear. I mean your choice. Right. I, I can't imagine that they actually have a choice on that. And I mean Antonio's brown aside, I, I'm sure tourists and everybody can use this. You're going to get your ass sued off you get, giving certainly. people frostbite. You would certainly <laughs> think so. And how when it is Antonio Brown, I. I don't. I, I kind of want to not believe it, but it's the only thing that makes any sense. It's not just blisters. It's either that or he's walking across coals in Hawaii. I mean, something. 
Yeah. It's, you know, I, I don't know if you, you got a chance to watch Hard Knocks last night, but he, he's up and around, but it's really limiting his mobility. I don't think it's anything long-term. It's just, you know, here we go. Yeah, but air. wouldn't you really like to have – a, B, and Carr well, going through training camp certainly. and building up rapport yeah. and chemistry and blah, blah, blah. It's just, Instead of having him hobbling around with this kid on hard knocks telling him they play for the Raiders now right. and it, Ben's not here. It's just kind of here we go, right? It, yep. It's And we'll talk about this. You probably have it on your list. I have it on my list for the questions when we, we do the, the burning questions for wide receivers. Here we go, right? The circus is in town. His skills haven't diminished. If anything, he's better than he's ever been. But we did the hot air balloon. Now we got the tore up feet. It's here we go, right? It's just we'll, we'll look get at more me. Into that. You have to keep looking at me. All right. So if you listened to the show last week, and if you didn't, shame on you. You heard a brilliant and sizzling take <laughs> from one Rick Flieger in regards to a question of. Running back handcuffs. Yes. And, and was it Jalen Samuels, Deontay Foreman, and somebody else? And in my infinite wisdom, yeah, I advised you, look, not only is Foreman going to be great as the, as the abbot to Lamar Miller's Costello, I think Foreman is going to earn that job. He is the most talented running back in Houston. He's finally going to be healthy. And it's going to be the Foreman show, and Lamar Miller is ultimately useless. Approximately 16 hours later, Deontay yeah. Foreman has been cut by your Houston Texans. So, fortunately, I recommended Jalen Samuels. I might have been so wrong on that. that. I, I guess I might have missed on that one. Is that what I'm trying to say? And he's picked up immediately by the Colts, who probably that's a weird signing, isn't it? No, they probably have him under bright lights, getting every knowledge from is, is the that playbook all it is, from right? Houston. We're just mining him for information. Division rival. I mean, that's that's a crowded backfield. So like, they can't. I don't really think it's crowded. Quite frankly, when you max the man, uh, Hines, we know what he can do. Foreman, they'll milk him for for information. He'll be on IR by week five, and off we go. You wonder if they don't just. That's the first thing I thought. If they don't just pump him for info, then cut him because. You know, you got Wilkins there. He played well in spots. It's it's not crowded with talented running backs. There's just a lot of them who who are fine, right? And and the problem with Foreman, right? And this he basically got cut for lack of effort, for lack of preparation. That's a tough little albatross to carry around. So to get signed that quick, I think it is just an exploratory. Yeah, there's a reason for that. <laughs> there's a reason why it wasn't San Francisco. Right, yeah, right? exactly. Or, or someone like that. Yeah, and to happen as fast as it did is what really surprised me. And uh, Andrew Luck, Rick, dealing now with a calf injury, calf strain, been dealing with it since April, kind of said but seemed unconvincing that he's pretty sure he'll be ready for week one, basically doing nothing at camp. This is weird, right? A cat. Why does it take Andrew Luck so long to heal? That's what I want to know. You can't know, answer but that, if, but that's what I want to know. If this thing's anything like the shoulder, we'll see you next year. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah, this man. is, I yeah, I hate it. It when I first heard of mini camp, he had strained his calf. Okay, no problem. He takes a couple weeks off and doesn't do anything. And then when camp starts, well, camp started, and all of a sudden it's reaggravated. Now he's not doing anything, and we're pretty sure that we're going to be ready for week one that's not that's kind of like that commercial 
you know, well, what are your computer skills? Are well, my I'm okay, just okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay. I mean, I'm not sure what yeah, to think about it's this. It's just it's so strange. And coming off, this gives me great concern for two reasons. Number one, coming off, it does seem like it takes Andrew Luck much, much longer to heal than the average pro football player it, with the shoulder. It just seems that way. Number two, this is probably not a real parallel, but it's something I'm thinking about. I watched Kevin Durant in the NBA Finals. Well, in the conference final strain a calf miss a couple games come back i watched that calf wobble in his achilles tendon tear is this what the colts are worried about is this that type of situation was it a calf injury to that level that it's affecting the achilles is there more to this because to your point a calf strain on the first day of mini camp yeah probably 12 guys did that they sit out for a few days or for a week or two and they're fine still not going and I don't some I got a bad feeling about this. And Andrew Luck was a guy I was chasing, you know, me and everybody else, but I was chasing as a fantasy quarterback. I thought if anybody unseats Mahomes this year, it's Andrew Luck. Is Boy, this, I'm staying away. I'm is scared. This sort of a product of today's technology. And what I mean by that, Rick, it's not and I'm not saying these guys are soft or anything of that nature. But doesn't it seem that injuries today, when it comes to certain um, certain things like that, are they take so much longer to heal or the severity of them seems to be more than what you would think? Because, I mean, you always read about these legendary tough guys, you know, you rub some dirt, you play through it. and this Is it because of now the, the specialized training and every little thing is, is, is geared towards just making this body so task-oriented or task-specific? You know what I mean? The muscles are trained to do one thing, whereas like a – Dick Buckus weighed 260 pounds, and he was thick as a tree, whereas a guy today at 260 is chiseled like a a Mr. America. Right, right. Not saying, you know, one's worse than the other, but but is it that these muscles are so in tuned to something instead of just being in great shape? You know what I'm saying? Now, I don't know how it applies – to a you know nearly you know twenty five year old plus pro athlete, but one thing they are preaching a lot at the youth sports level now. Yeah, and I've read up on this because this concerns me because <clears throat> my daughter falls right. strictly in this category. Is one thing they're finding at the youth sports level, and that they're, they're really preaching is what they call quite simply the one sport injury, where we all now we all think Sally and Joey are going pro when they're six years old (laughs) and they're playing the same sport year round at different levels. And they're finding kind of to your point, right? You're using the same muscle groups over and over again, never stop where they're saying, and that's a product of that by playing the same sport almost year round using the same muscle groups, it's leading to injuries. Whereas, 
you know, when when I was a kid and back in the 1800s, when you were a kid, we did everything, right? All right. And, and, and so you didn't have that and probably similar. There's probably something to that, right? Now, it doesn't explain recovery time, but I think – and I just think with a pro athlete, it's, I almost feel like – this probably sounds dumb, but I feel like they're wound so tight. How many hamstrings have you pulled in your life? Yeah, one. <laughs> I mean, while well, these pro athletes do it all the time, they're just right. so strong and so muscular and wound so tight. I, I think it's interesting. But I tell you, Andrew Locke, I'm. Ugh, I know. I'm scared. I'm, I'm scared. a little, little scared myself. And no, this is a guy I had way up there in my rankings. You know, oh, number was, two, right yeah. behind Mahomes, as far as quarterback rankings right now. He's starting to tick down just a tad yeah, as this kind of lingers. I you, mean, you have to be concerned. I, I don't think there's a parallel between his shoulder injury and the calf injury other than, remember, we didn't think the shoulder injury was any big deal, and he essentially missed a year and a half because of it. And then now we get this calf. You, you, you strain a calf in April, and yeah, all right, no big deal. He's not going to do much in camp. Anyhow, it'll be fine. Yeah, here we are, mid middle August now, and there's real concern about. Ugh, just I, I don't like it. I don't either. So, Rick, before we get to the wide receivers, I do want to talk about this. I, okay. I was in the bathroom where I do all my tweeting. In case you ever interact with me on Twitter, I, I don't. I, I just like, well, I'm talking to the audience. Okay. I just want you to know if you end up speaking to me, that's where I'm at because it's the only place I, I do the tweeters. And I see an interaction with Rick, and, and I've seen this in other places. The new thing where people are bragging that they're listening to. And it was to, all in good fun. It I mean, was, and you yeah. handled it a lot better than I did, so I'm glad I wasn't. I would have. I'm glad I wasn't in there. But this is a thing, Rick. This isn't this one guy. This is a thing where everybody is listening to their fantasy football podcast at one and a half or two times speed right? in order to get more information in, listen to more what of this, Rick? This actually angered me. It angered me. I want you to listen. And, I, I mean, I started off, you know, the response. One of the guys says, you know, I, I do I, – I guess I'm still doing it wrong because I can't stand to listen to well, Chipmunk. Well, and that's the thing. I know it was a good fun, but he was arrogant about it. If you're not listening to your podcast at one and a half speed, you're doing it wrong. All right, yeah. first of all, quit telling me whatever hipster bull ass you're doing and tell me if I'm not doing it, I'm doing it wrong. And that <laughs> ranges from everything from what you like to eat, how you listen to your podcast, and how you tie your shoes. Yeah, first of all, I'm doing nothing wrong. Shut your face. All right, let's start <laughs> with that. All right, Ray, I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead. I hate that. But, you know, I responded to the guy who says, well, I, I don't like to listen to him fast. Where I, I said, great, we want you to enjoy the podcast while you listen to it. You know, that's why we're here. But, you know, we, we like to provide a little entertainment. I don't want to sound like Elvin and the Chipmunks. Right. And so listen to it at regular speed. Well, then it just kind of progressed that, you know, my opinion's wrong. Well, no, because right. I want you to listen to yes. this show at regular speed. Right. That's not wrong. No. That is not wrong at all. I don't want you to listen to yeah. two speed. If I want you to listen to two speed, I'll talk like this, okay? Oh, you just blew his ears <laughs> out if he listens to the asylum. But you get my point. I mean, just, you know, I listen to a podcast. I listen to podcasts at work lots of times. I have them in the background all day. All and, day. Yeah, and, and it's enjoyable. <laughs> it. I, I don't turn a song up to 78 right. just so I can hear more music. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, I listen to them because that's what I like. It, I enjoy it. It relaxes me. It kills time while I'm doing mundane things at work. 
And I don't need to sit there and think that I'm some sort of hard drive right. that I have to download a certain amount of gigabytes per minute. Okay. First of all. Number, now you're getting me mad. Yeah, yeah. Number one, 98.5% of the people who are on Twitter, Let's on Facebook. Let's go 98.6 because that's normal temperature. Okay. 98.6% of the people on whatever platform claiming they do this are lying. No, you're not. Most shows, unless the sh- the host sits around and talks like this, which does happen on several shows, I grant you, you couldn't stand it. It'd drive you nuts. So, number one, this is just some hipster stuff to show how how learned you are that, that you listen to all this at full speed because you need to suck in all the information you possibly can. No, you're not. Shut up. I ain't buying it. So, that's number one. Number two, and I'm going to tread on this lightly, all right, because I'll just I'll, I'll tread on this lightly. Anybody doing that, right, and it seems like more and more, at least in fantasy football Twitter and fantasy football social media and a lot of these podcasts, most people listening to kind of the grassroots shows like ours and like so many on our network, are already people who consider themselves experts as well, right? So they're not listening to the show to learn something. They're not listening to shows to have an interaction. They're not listening to shows to be entertained. They're listening for confirmation bias is what they're doing. They're listening to find somebody that agrees with what they think in their expert opinion and to maybe find somebody to mock if they dare disagree with them, right? Your average Joe sitting around in a bar talking fantasy football guy isn't a guy listening to it at one and a half times and isn't the guy who's taking this opinion. And, and I think that's where we're different, Rick, right? And this is who I want to be. And whether this fits into the community at large, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really don't. And frankly, I don't care. That's what the asylum is, and that's who we are, right? We try to have some fun. We think we're funny sometimes. We're probably only funny to ourselves, but guess what? I don't give a damn. That's all (laughs) I have to entertain is me and maybe you. I might care. I hate when you no-sell me when I think I killed and you give me that big dumb blank stare that you do. (laughs) So, right, this show is for Joe Sixpack sitting around getting ready to go draft with his buddies, and we're just sitting around talking to fantasy football. Rick, you said this before the show. I'm going to say it on the show show i don't care if you win your league or not we're gonna have the discussion if you ask me a question you know we're, we're gonna go through it but at the end of the day i'd rather win than you <laughs> i don't care what you do so it's just people saying that aren't listening to it for any information they're not listening to it for any entertainment value it's just they're in the echo chamber listening for that echo to come back and looking for somebody to pounce on when it does it we ain't that show, and if that's the show you're looking for, you probably already know it by now, That <laughs> 20 minutes into the show. We ain't them guys. We're just two guys who love football, who love fantasy football, talking to guys who love football and love fantasy football. And those of you one-and-a-half speeders and if you, you want some donk to sit around and read numbers to you, we can bring a guy in and plug that in at the end of the show if you'd like. It, Maybe it's what the industry calls for. It ain't us, and it ain't never going to be ever going to be me. I'll just speak for myself on that one. I don't think you have to speak for yourself because I don't think we'd ever put these two square pumpkins together to do this show. No. 
if that's if that's what we were about. And yeah, do we want to help people? Obviously, yeah, we've had a lot of call success with call in shows oh, and so forth. That's fun. And um, yeah, we've actually had Asylumites of the Year. I mean, you know, Dean from Connecticut. Boy, I tell you what. Um, you know what? We, he, what he's doing? Three he's years in, in a prison, row, right? Huh? He's probably in prison, right? I, would I haven't heard so. from him in a while. Yeah, him and Jersey are probably in there together. Oh, I miss Jersey in the yeah. house. That was my and guy. Junior. Oh, yeah. Jersey and Junior. The only time one loss is when they played each other. That's man. it, man. <laughs> oh, Jersey and Junior. <laughs> so I don't know. I took that to the nth degree. It's something we've talked about it in the background. It's something that's just really, really been bothering me lately. So first of all, you're not listening at one and a half speed. And if you are that rare 0.5% who's actually doing it, I know what you're doing. And I know why you're doing it. And I'm not impressed, so I choose to mute you while I'm in the bathroom. That's all. All right. We do have some burning questions oh, burning. as far as Sizzling wide receivers on. go. And, and believe me, there's a lot of wide receivers out there going into this fantasy season. A lot of depth and a lot of question marks, quite frankly. Oh, yeah. It's it's a mess. So, so I got a few. I know you got a few. Yeah. Would you like to give or receive, Rick? Well, you know how kind I am. Okay. I mean, I am the kindest person on the face of the planet, so I guess I'll start by giving. You are the kindest person. (laughs) Wow. All right. Somehow I don't think you believe that. I do not. I do not. I have seen your your rages out of nowhere, your your alcoholic rants. Okay. I'll put the first one to you, Mr. Flager. Let me have it. With the highly tatted Kyler Murray and Larry Fitzgerald still able to get it done, what tier are you putting Christian Kirk? Boy, that's, a lot of hype on Mr. Kirk this year. It is. It is. And I think for good reason from a skill set position. I, I talk a lot about all the time, mainly with running backs. Kind of you just know it when you see it, right? Seems I, I forget who, who I used to describe this this last week, the running backs. It just seems faster, better, more athletic than everybody on the field. Christian Kirk kind of has that feel to him, right? Here's the problem. I know Kyler Murley's Kyler Murley. Good Lord. Why can't I say his name? This is like three episodes know. in a row. I have botched his name, and it's about the simplest. It's other than John Smith. It couldn't be any simpler. <laughs> John say. Brown. Right. Then we can handle him. You know, all the hype he's getting, he's still a rookie quarterback. I still don't think that offense is going to be very good. They, they bring in, you know, well, there's a trio of rookie wide receivers there. Plus Larry Fitzgerald. Look, Murray's a guy. I don't know how you're breaking up your tiers. I think he's a mid-range wide receiver three for me. I think with the potential, you know, to leap into the twos. This isn't about Christian Kirk. This is about Kyler Murray. I'm going to say it real slow so I don't botch it once. And that. Cardinals offense they're just not going to be very good and and you're playing the Rams twice and I know it's been a complete flip but the Seahawks still play some defense you're you're playing them twice that division's going to be tough San Francisco's going to be fine defensively the rookie quarterback the they're just young and and there's going to be struggles and I don't I'm just not going to target it in a dynasty or something. Certainly, I'm all over him. But your average redraft, mid to low wide receiver three for me. Yeah, I think the the point being, you covered, covered Kyler Murray, number one, is a rookie quarterback. 
basically anointed the net the next Pat Mahomes all of a sudden right. here. And I hope he is. Oh, but... sure. You wish the best, and you like to see the Cardinals kind of get back to where they were. David Johnson supposedly going to be used more effectively this year. Effectively, Larry Fitzgerald, like I said, is still getting it done. But then you have, like we said, a lot of hype on Christian Kirk, but there's more and more of the scuttlebutt with Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson, you know, all these guys. Well, look. This offense is not going to be able to feed all these people to be productive fantasy guys. No, and I, I think after Fitzgerald, Kirk's clearly the best of certainly, them. Certainly, certainly. Kyler Murray's a rookie. He's going to be facing down Aaron Donald twice a year. It's just, it's just look. Yeah, here, look, I love Christian Kirk. I'm with you. Dynasty, keepers, all that kind of stuff. Certainly, you, you target this cat. But right now... Certainly he's going to be behind Larry Fitzgerald, who has been ignored the last three years running only to put up 100 catches. All he does is go in the right. ninth round of fantasy leagues and finishes a top 10 wide receiver, it feels like. That's exactly. all he does. You know, Kirk had, what, 43 catches last year, 590 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, that production's going to go up, obviously. But I don't think it's going to go up in such a way where he's a guy that you're going to be targeting. I mean, they're talking, you know, get your running backs and then get Kirk as your wide receiver <laughs> one. That's not where Christian Kirk is yet. That's not where the Arizona Cardinals offense is. And, look, I've got a lot of high hopes that they're going to be improved this year. But... I have to step back and say, you know, go after Fitzgerald, go after your David Johnson. You better put the brakes on before you start jumping in too early on any of these other Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the coaching situation. It's going to be much better. It has to be than than what was there last year. As, As good as Murray has been, he's still a rookie quarterback you you know what I mean you still have David Johnson so I think we know Kyler Murray likes to run around right plus you have an all-world running back pass catching back and running back in David Johnson you still have Larry Fitzgerald where you talk about the ultimate security blanket for a rookie quarterback it's just I don't think there's enough to go around for in a redraft format save for you know bye weeks and desperate situations where he's just going to have all that much value you put Christian Kirk in New England, put him in L.A., put him in New Orleans, we're having a different conversation. Right? Right. This is just all about where he is. Now, you know, looking at the ADP, I think this is probably a week old. If we look at who he's ahead of, though, he, he, on an ADP basis, he might be all right. So, Christian Kirk, Will Fuller. Kirk. I think I'm taking Fuller there. I got big – although close. Fuller's not going to play but four games. Yeah. But for those four I, games. I, it's close, but – you know, you you could flip a coin. You're not going to be wrong, I don't think. Yeah, but so then it goes into Cortland Sutton, Marvin Jones, D.D. Westbrook, Sterling well, Shepard. Okay. He's kind of going in the right, the right yeah, space. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. You just hit on some guys right there that I would definitely take over Christian Kirk at this point. Okay. I mean, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, but that's that's the neighborhood you're at. He's not – that is not the, the, the wide receiver to – target after you'd get your running backs right it's i agree so 
All right, so let's move on, Rick. Let's head to Carolina, where I'll be heading next week. Well, I won't be going to Charlotte, but I'll be going to the state of North Carolina, so Good I'm going to go you. ahead and consider that close enough. I, Outside of uh, maybe two or three other guys, the two young wide receivers in Carolina, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, are just getting a ton, a ton of hype this year. Lots of articles written, lots of good articles written on how Curtis Samuel is having a fantastic camp, is going to take that next big step. Rick, do you trust either one of these guys to be a top-tier fantasy wide receiver? Let me see here. Number four. (laughs) Rick, a lot of talk early about D.J. Moore being the guy in Carolina. Now with camp starting, Samuel is getting a lot of hype. What do you – excuse me, who do you like better? And more importantly, where does your top Carolina wide receiver fit into your tiers of wide receivers given the emergency of McCaffrey and the return of Olsen? I think we've covered this subject pretty good in our questions here. I I think so. Um, To be honest with you – I really like both of them. I think DJ Moore is is still the the number one guy, but I have to step back. <sighs> Go back to when there was a top tier receiver in Carolina. What, Steve Smith? Oh, would you like would you like this information, Rick? No, I, no, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, sure. I, I yes, have it. yes, sure. So, Give me the information. So. Let, let me get my preamble in first. I did a <laughs> okay. lot of prep on this question. So, so I guess when you look at the question, you're looking, DJ Moore has an ADP of wide receiver 26. Doesn't seem unreasonable, but fairly high. Ahead of guys, Mike Williams with the Chargers, Alshon Jeffrey, Pettis, Robbie Anderson, Allen Robinson, there's your boy Christian Kirk, Will Fuller, Larry Fitzgerald. How about Christian Kirk with an ADP above Larry Fitzgerald right, right. now? On and on and on. And then we rolled down. I'm trying to find Curtis Samuel at 42. So that's that's a mid-range wide receiver three. So I think that's fair, right? He's down right. Yeah. with the likes of Harry Sutton, Metcalf, Sanders. He's down there with the rookies and kind of the flyers. So a good place for him. Whether it be Samuel, whether it be DJ Moore that you think's going to take the leap. And there, like I said, I've read all of them. There have been some good, well thought out articles about both. About oh, yes. Why they're not only going to break out and be the best on Carolina, but, but be very useful in very, you know, top couple tiers in, in fantasy football. Here's the thing I went all the way back to 2011, Rick. Cam, Cam Newton showed year. up, exactly. All right. Leading receiver that year. Steve Smith, 79 grabs, 1,300 yards. Right. All right, if one of those guys put up those kind of numbers, beautiful. You'd love it. Next year, Steve Smith does it again, 73 for 1,100 yards. Right. All right, now we got a pattern developing here. 2013, Greg Olson, leading receiver, 73 for 816. The highest wide receiver was Steve Smith with 64 catches for 745 yards. 2014, leading Tied leading yardage-wise, so the leading pass catcher was Greg Olson with 84, Kelvin Benjamin with 73. How about 2015? Greg Olson leads the team 77, 1,100 yards. The highest-ranked wide receiver was Ted Ginn with 44 catches for 739 yards. How about 2016? There's your boy Greg Olson again, 80 for 1,073. Best wide receiver, Kelvin Benjamin, 63 for 941. 
Last year, Devin Funches led the team in yardage. Or no, I'm sorry, 2017. Led the team in yardage with 840 yards. But Christian McCaffrey bested him by 17 receptions to lead the team in receptions. How about 2018? McCaffrey catches 107 balls. Moore, who, who somebody we're talking about, had 55. Samuel had 39. I'm not good at math, but I think if you add those up, they don't add up to what Christian McCaffrey had. Point here, you know where I'm going, right? The, the point, wide receiver isn't the first, second, or third option in the Carolina offense. The point is, Steve Smith's no longer there. Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson are. That was, that was the whole <laughs> crux of the question. Look, these guys are going to be fine. They're fine young talent. But Cam Newton isn't that quarterback. No. It's McCaffrey, Newton, Olson. McCaffrey, Newton, Newton wide receiver, <laughs> wide receiver. Well, maybe the... throwing a wide receiver in there before Newton the second time, but you get the drift that he's not their first, or they are not his first priority. No, it's just it's not what that. And we thought, and I kind of I believe bought into these guys as rookies last year. You, you changed the the offensive coaching staff, and you thought, oh, okay, boy, this is. Remember how we thought this is going to be huge for yeah. Cam Newton? I think I spent a whole episode saying, you know, Cam Newton. I in my head thought Cam Newton was going to do what Patrick Mahomes did last year. And he had a fine season before the before the injuries, but there you see, you saw an even bigger jump where McCaffrey with 107 catches, the top wide receiver in receptions was more with 55. Now, is the disparity going to be that again? It, it may well be. Point being, you know, Moore and Samuel are emerging. What this is going to be is great, great things for the Carolina offense. Sure, bad, bad things for your football for your fantasy football team. One of these guys is going to pop here. The other one's going to pop there. But most weeks, it's going to be McCaffrey, McCaffrey and Olson. It's going to be you know if Olson stays healthy, which I'm not confident of. It's just that's not who they are offensively. And bringing in Norv and bringing in anybody they brought doesn't change that. This is who Cam Newton is. It works. They've gotten to a Super Bowl doing this. It's just who they are. And I can't buy the hype as anything, but as a but a bi week replacement for either one of these guys. All the measurables say. They're going to be who a lot of people think they're going to be. The re- reality of the situation just isn't that. And there's one other thing that I've noticed through the entire career of Cam Newton in his career that the people that he has developed the rapport with, i.e. Steve Smith and Greg Olson in the receiving categories, you know, Christian McCaffrey aside as a, as a running back, are – Veteran guys that Cam Newton probably already respected as he was a young man right, in the league. Right, right. And, and, and probably learned a ton of football off of these guys. I'm not sure. I'm not saying anything bad about Cam Newton. I'm not sure that maybe he is the quarterback that makes the younger talent better. If you know if if you know what I mean, yeah, like yeah. like a Roethlisberger, Juju, he just transformed into his number one guy. Right. Okay. I'm not sure. Maybe he is, but I just don't think that he is nearly. He's just not the passer that that a Roethlisberger is or that a Philip Rivers is. He's yeah. a runner. He's a you know a game manager, which I hate that term. But Cam Newton really is a game manager because. 
everything runs through him. Right. You oh, know what I mean? Period. Absolutely. He is the and main focus. Exactly. Of and look, these guys are going to be good, and, and I'm going to not have a problem having them on my roster. But again, these aren't guys. I'm not buying the hype that DJ Moore is, is a wide rec- starting wide receiver. You no, be, he's just you know he's not exactly he's not a top two. He, he maybe a mid range three. You know, and that's where his I agree. ADP is, and I'm, so it's kind of funny when you look at the ADP versus the the hype you see in the articles you see written. Right. Most fantasy owners are kind of getting it right, but it's it, it, it's interesting. It really is. It really is. I, I agree. Okay, I used up a, a question to myself on that one because it was the same one. But and probably whatever you're about to ask me, I'm sure I we ought to talk during show prep rather than just. Nah, we don't up. do that. that, that then it kind of ruins the the chemistry. Ruins. Okay. You are looking for a lower end wide receiver, but one that you feel will see plenty of action. What Buffalo receiver would you be targeting? Zay Jones, John Brown, Robert Foster, or Cole Beasley? Rank them. Uh, am I dumb to be getting a little bit excited about Zay Jones? The way he finished last year, Josh Allen actually, for all the mockings, getting some love this preseason. So I think that's Zay Jones pretty easily number one. I honestly feel like from a reception standpoint in a PPR format, I still want Cole Beasley. What a great guy for a young wide receiver – or, excuse me, a young quarterback to have, right, when you talk about security blankets. Somebody always running wide open four yards, you know, upfield, <laughs> somewhere to get rid of it when he's tired of running around and getting the crap knocked out of him. The other two, I don't care. They're not going to be that good offensively. You probably foster, although isn't he dinged up or something? So I thought I read something happened today. I could be dead wrong. I thought there's something with Foster, but I, I think Zay Jones could be, you know, in that high end wide receiver three type of category going in. This is a guy I'm going to be targeting because you can get him for a song because it's been such a disappointment so far. But look at the way he ended 18 and, and the the good things being said about Allen. Here, here in the spring and in the in the summer, Zay Jones, a guy I'm getting a little bit excited about. Yeah, he, albeit, of course, he's with Buffalo, very inconsistent, but he put together, you know, a pretty good run last year. He had a, n- never any huge games. In fact, he didn't have a game over 100 yards, I don't believe, but he did put up seven touchdowns. He put up almost you know, over 650 yards on 56 catches. Josh Allen and him know each other a little better. I, I think his numbers jump. He's probably a 70-catch guy, don't you think? 70, 75 think probably so, yeah. the, the ceiling. I'm thinking for, say, Zay, yeah, Zay Jones. Zay Jones. I don't think you're going to be getting a 1,000-yard receiver out of any of these guys. But then again, it's a Buffalo wide receiver. You're not targeting these guys for that. But I think Zay Jones would be a really nice piece to fill in your depth of flex or a wide receiver three, you know, on your fantasy. And somebody with the potential to pop. Exactly. Right. right. All right, Rick. So, Steelers wide receiver situation. We, you know we had to talk about that. So, there a lot of receptions walked out that door and fried their feet off in a cryo chamber. A hundred <laughs> receptions out there. Dante Moncrief. While the game. technician was apparently yeah. out reading a Playboy or something. Eating, I don't know. Eating a sandwich, apparently. <laughs> 
Dante Moncrief getting a lot of love all offseason and so far in camp. Great things being said about Deontay Johnson. Here's what I'm wondering, Rick. I don't think there's any doubt what Juju's going to be. And I don't I don't even won't even entertain the discussion of, you know, well now he's going to draw the number one coverage. I don't care. In this offense with his talent, we know what Juju's going to be. Any one of these guys Moncrief Johnson pick up the slack to a degree in Antonio Brown's receptions and be a standalone top-end fantasy wide receiver as Juju was to Antonio Brown? Or do we see these things spread out amongst all these wide receivers and Vance McDonald and the running backs? Or do we just not see that same type of offense as we saw out of Pittsburgh when they had both Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster? I think what you're going to find out this year, Ryan Switcher, look, he's a nice toy. He's, he's a yeah. nice thing to have on your team. Um, I don't think – he's not the guy that's going to be picking up any type of slack. I, he's just not that kind of guy. I don't think he's physically able to be taking a pounding all year long at full time. Right, no. As far as that he's goes. He's your typical slot guy. I got him in – in the Scott Fishbowl, and I'm telling you, James Washington is the one to watch on this core. Okay. Moncrief's going to be fine. He's going to get a ton of work. But the guy that is going to be the heir apparent, I think, to Juju is James Washington. Eli Rogers has a little chemistry with Ben and, and so forth, and I love Deontay Johnson. But – it's Juju, Moncrief, and then Washington's the third guy right now. And I think James Washington, as he gets a little older and matures, he moves into that number two position on Pittsburgh. I really like this kid. That's bold. You're not, ma- not many people bring up bring up Washington. You know, he came in with pedigree. Um, excited about him last year. Disappointing, you know, disappointing start to his career. You know, everyone said he was going to kind of be the key to this offense if he took that step forward. And then there seemed to be such an instant rapport for whatever reason with Moncrief and Roethlisberger. That, that's interesting because I, I tend to believe this. You know, it, James Washington, he going to get some. Moncrief's going to get some. But Moncrief isn't going to catch – what's he going to catch, Rick? 60 balls? I don't think he's a 70, 80. He's certainly not an 80-catch guy. I think his touchdown numbers could be high, but I don't think he's an 80, 90, and certainly not a 100-reception type of guy, whereas, you know, Steelers had 200-yard reception guys last catch, season. right. Yeah. You know, Johnson, he's going to be that kind of nice, deep threat. He, he's going to be uh, Wallace, his rookie year, right? He's going to have one pattern, run, <laughs> run, <laughs> run. And they'll take those chances. So I think they're kind of spread evenly out. I, for me, it goes after Juju. I think it goes Moncrief, Washington, Johnson. Yeah, I just don't know. Moncrief's a guy I own and a lot of best balls. He's going to have some big weeks, right? And may, maybe Washington has a couple of those. I don't know if any of them after Juju are real standalone fantasy studs. If there's going to be one, I think it's Moncrief. You think it's Washington. But both certainly rosterable. Johnson, I, I don't think. I mean, that, that, all the injuries are Not gonna, this year. Yeah. Especially. I mean, I think he's got a little, little bit of uh, time, obviously, because there's a lot of talent ahead of him. So right. it's nice to be able to work into an offense. 
And look, I mean, and Eli Rogers is always a nice guy and just he's to throw gonna, in on your four and five wide receiver sets. Yeah, he's going to still be around. Exactly, and he's not going anywhere. So, and let's be honest about Deontay Johnson. I think he's getting the hype he does is because of the similarities that aren't necessarily on the field related to Antonio Brown. What late round pick coming from the MAC, undersized, right? Really fast. All right, so he's had a good camp. He's going to stick around with his team. That doesn't mean he's Antonio Brown no. just because they have those similarities. I want. I don't know if that's the national narrative. We're getting that narrative locally, which is why that's in my head. That probably isn't the national narrative. I honestly don't know. But locally, oh, yeah, he's just going to step in and in a – they don't Four do that. Four games, he's going to be Antonio Brown. Well, he came from the MAC. He's small. He's built like Antonio. So what? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, you know, does it? A lot it? of small receivers come out of the <laughs> MAC the last 10 years. There ain't too many of them as Antonio Brown. Right. And, and let's not forget, we talked about a lot of catches heading out to Oakland with Antonio Brown. There's a, you know, a few more catches went to Detroit in, in Jesse James. Vance McDonald will get some of those. But I think a lot of the – the Jesse James catches, let's say, will go to your Jalen Samuels and James Conner. I, I don't think that really translates to any bigger numbers for wide receivers, quite right, frankly. Right, right. All right. That was your yeah. question to yes, me, wasn't yeah. it? All right. Let's do one more each. So One more? Okay. We're, we're using new recording software, and apparently it, it gives us beats and not time, so I have no idea where we're at in the show. So we're just going to take a guess and do one more each and shut it down. Well, let me see. Um, boy, I've got man. There's a lot of hot questions I wanted to ask you. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two questions, but um, we'll do this one first. Uh, which one? That one? Okay. Josh Gordon has applied for reinstatement. Do you risk drafting him, and where? Last round. Right before my kicker. It's worth a flyer, right? You're going to roster him, hold on to him for three or four weeks, see what's going on, and then when somebody gets hurt, that's who you drop. You're going to draft him everywhere. I'm not going to do it before round 13, 14, right? What what if he gets reinstated? If he gets reinstated now? Yeah, so I'll say, heck, say even in a couple of weeks. All right, if he gets reinstated before I draft. Of course, you know, the NFL, they won't do it until Halloween or something. Well, no, what they'll do is they'll do it the Friday before week one. Yeah, right. I I don't understand that. If I know he's coming back, I got burnt by this last year. But uh, sixth round, seventh round, somewhere in there. That sounds reasonable, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't hate Apparently, he's a, in great shape still. But um, really we know what he can do. And, yeah. he, and he was one of the few that seemed to show early on some rapport with Tom Brady. And we've seen so many big names, you know, not be able to do that over the years. The problem is, I think in a vacuum, without knowing everything we know, if he just shows up, if he's reinstated, he's probably a third round. But you know there's a, what, 75% chance at some point in the season it's going to happen again, maybe 80%. So, I don't know, six even feels a little high for me. I'd probably at the end of the six, seven, somewhere in there, I think, is where I go. And either way, I think him, you know, him here, spoiler alert again for the Caveman League, we'll see if those guys are listening. You know, my last pick's going to be the kicker because you won't get rid of the kicker. The pick before that's going to be the it, defense. It, it has not um... – 
It hasn't officially come up for a vote, so I'm not just going to be a dictator. Since when? <laughs> Since I am the fairest oh, commissioner Lord, you have the, ever been in a league with. The fairest of them all. I got the exactly. prince. Who was that? It was a Sleeping Beauty. Is that who it was? Maleficent. Nah, that was the old that witch. Yeah. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Yeah. Who's the fairest of them all? I mean, that's what I do. But so, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest commissioner of them all? Oh, good Lord. You are, uh, Rick Briggs. That's still you talking, though. You understand when you say it, the mirror's going to look well, like it's Well, the mirror's in my house. I, I didn't bring it with me. <laughs> okay, well, you don't want to break it. But so, for me, it's going to go kicker last round. How many rounds do we do? 15. So, kicker 15, defense 14. Round 13, if he's still there, will be Gordon. Round 12 is going to be Gronk. <laughs> These are things go. I'm planning on this year. All right. All right, so what do we got? Chris Godwin, Rick. His stock, you want to talk about a stock yeah. just skyrocketing in the offseason. I guess with the with the departure of uh, Deshaun Jackson, I guess is where it's coming from. Right now being drafted at uh, full-time fantasy on their ADP at the 10th pick of the fourth round, wide receiver 19. So, so a low end two, but still that's a pretty good jump from uh, where Chris Godwin was last year. Yeah, well, let's not forget Adam Humphrey is no longer there. Right. And but you still have Mike Evans. I look, I and Brashad Perryman's number 3. So I mean, there's really nobody but Evans and Godwin. Okay? I mean, behind them's Perryman, Justin Watson, Bobo Wilson, Scott Miller. I mean, there's nothing back there. Right. I think the hype is actually Can he possibly legit. live up to it? I think so. I think Tampa Bay is going to have to pass the football a lot. That's why O.J. Howard is on everybody's radar list. Mike Evans is Mike Evans. Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones, we talked about them a lot last week. That running game really not scaring a whole lot of people. And I think Chris Godwin is primed to make the jump. Is Jameis Winston going to take the jump to be a real passing quarterback. That's the real That's question. That's the key. Because right now, Mike Evans is being drafted as wide receiver nine, which seems perfectly reasonable to me. You know, some people have him as a you know, 12, 13 foot, whatever. But that's a perfectly reasonable place. Now we have Chris Godwin at 19. Is Jameis Winston good enough? Is that offense good enough to support two you know, top 24 fantasy-wide receivers. That's where I have the question. I, Fitzmagic isn't there. So when, when Winston, Winston starts tripping all over himself again for that four- or five-game stretch that he always tends to do, Fitzmagic ain't coming through that door right now. He'll be throwing interceptions in Miami by that time. And I look at Godwin. Boy, he, he does look impressive. He looked good out there. His final numbers – he had four touchdowns in his first five, first five games. He had three the rest of the way, two of them in one game. I, you know, you just wonder, and I don't blame Godwin for that. I honestly, I have questions about Jameis Winston and his ability to lead an offense to that level. I just, I hope so. I really like Chris Godwin. I think this is about where I would draft him. You know, you look at the guys behind him, Cooper Cup. I think, I think I take Godwin over Cup. Yeah, because Cup that we covered this before is probably the number three on Los Angeles yeah. behind, you know, Cooks and Woodwin. Or yeah. Woodwin. 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 <laughs> Over A.J. Green. I get it with the injury oh, concern. Yes. Calvin Ridley. I think, I think That's it's close. Godwin. That's very close. Uh, Tyler Lockett. 
I think about it. that one. Jarvis Landry. You know how we I'm feel. I'm going my boy Jarvis. Tyler Boyd. If, if this Boyd goes on with, with Green, yeah. I'm all over Tyler Boyd. And then now we get into DJ Moore, Mike Williams. We get into we get into that. Team. Now I don't think it's a question, right? Yeah, I so. mean, I, I think Godwin is certainly he's right for the picking because this is this team's going to have to pass. They're playing New Orleans twice. They're playing Atlanta twice. They're playing Carolina twice. They're going to have to score a lot of points, right? And you know the weapons are there, but Godwin's one of them. Yeah, he's, he's one of it. three primary weapons you know disregarding barber and jones right okay so yeah i mean i think he's about where he should be this tampa team is going to be a fascinating watch this year you talk about a big big year for Jameis winston yeah who's he going to be i i think he either takes that next step or he's holding the clipboard somewhere next season i i I think we're at that point with him right and i and i there's there's some some Wide receiver um, situations out there that I'm really interested in. Look, I'm really interested in Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones right? Um, in Detroit. Uh, the Ridley, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Does he take that next step and basically kind of push Muhammad Sanu sort of out of the I, way? I think he does. I think he does. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of – I know you love of, Sanu, but – Well, yeah, but, I mean, I really like Calvin Ridley. I've got a lot of stock in him. Yeah, got him in a Scott Fishbowl and a couple other other ones, but does he take that jump? And that, that's the thing because you know, look, Sanu's a pro, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and, and that's big. And you've got an all-world talent. Yeah, and you know the other situation that fascinates me is the one in Chicago. You yes, got Allen Robinson, who you think he's eighty-seven years old. He really hadn't been around what, 26? all that long. Yeah. You know, the the emergence of Anthony Miller and, and the hype surrounding him and a guy who can still be had at a value, you know, exactly. in, in Anthony Miller. This, this is a guy I got my eyes on. That That's an interesting group if Trubisky takes the step forward. I think he's going to take, spoiler alert, spoiler alert for next week when we do this with the quarterback position. Right. That There's going to be some value, I think, found in Chicago as well. I agree. All right. I'll tell you what, we've had a lot of burning questions on wide receivers, but I just wanted to get back to some of your burning questions that you had for me um, before we came on the air. And I, oh. you know, I've done some research this last week. I just I don't wanted to make what sure discussed. that I got um, your burning questions answered. <laughs> okay, let's. I'm interested because I don't remember what. Well, I Well, the first burning question you you wanted to know what the official name for the butt crack was, and it is intergluteal cleft. Inter. I don't remember discussing this, but I'll play along. The butt. All right, hold on. I love it. The intergluteal cleft. Yeah. So I, I really like that. What prompted Rick Briggs to look up what is the butt crack? Called? You asked me what it was. This is not. So this is simply just, not I true. Just looked it up. Okay. Um, apparently, you or one of your Relative suffers from um, boanthropy, and you, bo-anthropy. you wasn't sure what that was. Oh, okay, yeah, I do remember that. I <laughs> so the doctor told me I had boanthropy, yeah. but didn't explain to me what it was. So I asked Rick Briggs. I remember that <laughs> exactly. conversation now. Go ahead. Well, if you have boanthropy, you believe that you're a cow. Oh, okay. and you try to live your life as a cow. So basically, you eat grass. Other than the eating grass, that wouldn't be covered, a bad. Right? That wouldn't be a bad life, really. 
It isn't too far off of my normal life, quite honestly. Um, and then your burning question that you had no idea what the first toy was to be advertised on TV. Oh, I had to research that. I, I was wondering about that. It yeah. was Mr. Potato Head. Really? Yes. That makes sense. Um, do you know what a duel between three people is called? I didn't know you could duel three people. I do not. Well, you saw the good, the bad, and the ugly. I have not. Oh, no. I'm telling you, I'm not watching these oh. movies. You can get all mad. I'm not going to watch it. But what you do is is just you you let people you let people know that you are not a real person. I'm not if, a real person. If you don't watch, I, by not watching your stupid western movies, I Clint give up Eastwood. my. I give up my personhood. The good, this the bad, the ugly is a classic. Yes, you're not even a human. Maybe you do have boanthropy. You are a cow. I, 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 oh my. Do you know in South Korea there's an emergency number one one three to report spies? I did not. And Japan is facing a ninja sh- shortage, which you were wondering about. There's a high demand for ninja shows, but it is dying tradition, and companies are having trouble finding properly trained ninjas. Is it something you go to college for? How do you become anyway, a, a duel between ninja? three people is called a truel. Oh, that's lame. And for um, for uh, Antonio Brown, the stage before frostbite is called frost nip. Is that why we say there's a nip in the air? Apparently. Um, the the name Donkey Kong for that video game Donkey Kong was meant to mean stupid ape. And snail, do you know how many teeth snails have? Zero. No. 14,000. What? Yes. For, for what purpose? I don't know, but it says snails have 14,000 teeth and some can even kill you. And the process by which bread toasts which is what you've wanted to know for a long time. It's called the Maillard reaction. No, it's called toasting. That's <laughs> what it's called. The, the Mallard, that's ducks. And do you know what Sonic the Hedgehog's full name is? <laughs> no, I don't, I never checked Ogilvy Maurice Hedgehog. Ogilvy? Yeah, Maurice. Ogilvy Maurice Hedgehog. Well, I'm glad you answered all these questions for me. They were all bothering me. Can we go home now? You have Bo after three. All right. You think you're a cow. You don't even watch Clint Eastwood movies, for God's sake. And I'm not going to. All right. Insanity. Sheer insanity. And you see what I go through, ladies and gentlemen, to put up with this boob every week (laughs) to entertain you. Oh, God. On that, let's get out of here. Thanks so much for joining (laughs) us this week on the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show. Check it all out at FullTimeFantasy, FullTimeFantasy.com, at FullTimeFantasy on Twitter. Check us out at AsylumFootball at gmail.com, at AsylumFootball and AsylumFantasySports.com. Get this man out of the studio. Thank God it's over. Till next time, we'll see you. Take care.